What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Padalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our new episode, Restaurant Risk Taking with Ed Brady. So, guys, we're really excited to have Ed on the podcast today. He is a local, I'm going to call him a serial restaurateur, a serial entrepreneur at this point. Um, he built a brand from, I would say, a young age, and he has a really interesting story. And I think that he's going to have a ton of great insight to share to other entrepreneurs or people looking to launch their own business. So, Ed, welcome to the show. Excited to have you. Oh, thanks for having us, boys. Uh, we really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking this morning and, uh, you know, telling the story and, and having some fun and answering any questions you guys may have. So, thanks for having me. Definitely. So, years back, I had heard Ed's story of when he graduated college and where he had it. So, Ed, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I'd love to have you share that story and, and talk about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I grew up here in Rhode Island, um, Cranston, Rhode Island. First job, caddy in an Alpine Country Club, 13 years old. Uh, mom got diagnosed with breast cancer at an early age, so I, I definitely grew up quick and uh, you know, realized the importance of working hard. Uh, would go home, give money to the family, and uh, you know, never kind of stopped and was always hustling. You know, first got a loan account um, when I was younger you know, started doing lawns in addition to caddying and then just went to college at Bryant University, learned a lot there, graduated from, from Bryant and uh, moved out to LA. And uh, that's a learned, big jump for a yeah. Islander, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, when I went to college in 2002, um, online poker hit the world by storm. So I, I actually got pretty good at that and uh, learned a lot about, uh, you know, I decided, you know, after college, I would, I would move out there and I, I made a lot, I met a lot of people in the nightlife industry and I learned a lot about 944.com which was a magazine and a lifestyle brand out there so um, okay. you know um, when I came home I you know after about two years about out in LA after after graduating I had met, met a lot of uh, you know great being from Cranston being from around we, we, we I feel like we do a good job of networking because everyone knows everyone here and you know <laughs> no. So I did that. I used that in LA and, and I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of, you know, celebrities and, and people of that nature and, and build a, a meaningful, relax, you know, lasting relationship. So I started a brand when I, when I moved home um, called 401 based on our area code where we took pictures. Um, this was in about 2006, 2007 at yep. So Facebook was just getting popular. So we had, you know, we were sending out the photographers to the, to the nightclubs and uh, we were posting the pictures up and built a lot of travel on, uh, traffic on the website. And awesome. eventually from that website, um, you know, nightclub, nightclubs that were struggling wanted to, you know, hire us to promote. So when, we, when I say promote, we took it to the next level and kind of just, uh, you know, we would get the door, we would pay security, we would pay expenses. And then we would start taking, you know, celebrities that I had met out in L.A., like, you know, Bam Margera, um, you know, Holly That's Madison, really cool. Brown, um, whole bunch of cool people, DJM, uh, Steve Aoki, people that are, are really relevant now. And right. uh, eventually that led to, to fast forward the story. Uh, it, it led to, um, I had a great mentor at the time. I had been working for him for a couple of years named Steve Mara. I would yep. pick his brain on everything that I could before he passed away, unfortunately. And uh, I learned a lot from him. And then an investor came up to me and said, hey, if you ever want to open up your own place, love to love to do it. Would probably would have never did it because I was happy with Steve. But when he yep. uh, when he passed, I, I approached the investor with a business plan, and uh, we opened our first nightclub called Vanity uh, Supper Club, which was a 1920s Prohibition style uh, restaurant lounge. Been there. Uh, yeah. So after yep. about eight months of success there, and, and paying back my invest 
investor very quickly, um, kind of doubled down and said, hey, we, we, you know, we together we worked on a, a project called opening up the Thirsty Beaver. Our first location was in Cranston. Then we opened uh, to about two years later, we opened another one in Smithfield called the Thirsty Beaver Smithfield, obviously, hometown pub and yep. grub. And uh, now uh, in our portfolio, we own uh, the Thirsty Beaver Cranston Smithfield, Foxborough and Rentham, which is uh, inside of an indoor go-karting track and Ninja Warrior course that's supercharged. And we also own a restaurant that we rehabbed uh, from an old garage called Huck's Filling Station in Greenwich Bay. So that's kind of the quick overview of, you know, where I'm at now. I'm also a councilman in the city of Cranston for uh, Ward 4. And, uh, you know, learning every day, having fun, working hard, and uh, continuing to grind like everyone else. So, I love it. So there's a lot of things that we can connect with in the story that you just shared. But I think, like, the biggest one, um, I left Rhode Island, went to college in the Midwest, and everybody thought I was crazy because it's the largest college campus in the United States, I believe. And they're like, you're going to get lost out there. Like, how do you find your way? And I, I think maybe you can shed some light on how you found your way in LA, big city. Like, how did you start networking to start meeting these people as you were out there and make the world smaller and achieve what you want through the networking? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I don't think any immediate gratification doesn't exist, right? There's, there's, there's no way, you know, it takes time like anything. And, and a lot of uh, people I talk to nowadays, especially when I go back to Bryant and speak, it's, 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 it takes a long time to get to where you need to go, you know, but as long as you have insight um, and you're kind and you're genuine with people and you build relationships, um, you know, it certainly always comes back. When I was out in LA, the easiest thing for me to do, especially with Facebook, which was just becoming popular at the time in 2007, 2008, um, was literally just look for people that were in LA from around. So I built the relationship off of connections like that. Uh, fortunately Perfect. enough, one gentleman uh, was from Rhode Island and his name was John Ryan and he was just starting to get big in the movie scene. And, uh, you know, he took me into his inner circle, which was, was great. And, you know, it was on me then to build those relationships and, and, and make the best of it from there. And, you know, obviously every relationship wasn't, you know, you can't use people. So, you know, just be genuine, be kind, never burn a bridge. And, and it's amazing where, where life can take you through hard work and, 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 and building that what net and that network. So. Absolutely. Uh, that was kind of to get in and, and, you know, I started, I didn't mind working for free and learning from people that were doing well and people that I admired and picked their brain and asked a million questions. And that, and that, that traces back to my first job at Alpine. I, I didn't grow up from a wealthy family. My parents gave me every opportunity to succeed. They, they certainly uh, provided an outlet for me to be successful, but you know, I wasn't afraid to ask the questions, wasn't afraid to, you know, you know, learn as much as I could, wasn't afraid to be wrong and, and, and know that and put myself out there knowing that I constantly want to learn. And you'd be surprised that when people get older, I'm in a place in life where I want to teach, you know, so don't be afraid right. to ask a question. I wasn't at an early age and I, and I certainly think it was very impactful on how I grew to where I am today. I love how you said uh, the concept of working for free because uh, a lot of the uh, kids, I was a teacher, by the way, and uh, a lot of the kids that I've had through the years, once they start that first job, it's like, guys, just remember, this is not just about money, okay? When you start that first job, you're not going to be paid big money or anything else. It's about learning systems. It's about building relationships, stuff like that. So working for free is a great concept to think about. 
Yeah, I mean, that's crucially important. And it's funny, as I look back on it, um, when I graduated Bryant, and like I said, I moved out to LA, I was kind of playing a little professional poker, um, you know, in the network and the nightclub scene. You know, a lot of my friends from college, um, you know, when I moved back and I opened up after living in LA for two years, a brand called 401 and was taking free pictures in nightclubs, were literally like, Ed, what are you doing? You know, but I, I had a vision. And that's um, it. You know, I didn't mind taking pictures for free because I knew that eventually with, you know, hopefully if the vision connected, it would lead to, you know, promoting these nightclubs and, and obviously profiting and, and building a brand. So, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's you, you got to surround yourself with the people you want to be around, the people you want to learn from. And sometimes those opportunities don't exist with money. So it's that short term loss that you're willing to take for that long term gain. I mean, it's, uh, it's I'm not looking. I'd rather make six hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of my life than two million dollars next year. So, right. Uh, yeah. No, that's a good perspective. Yeah, for sure. So through the the four zero one brand, is that how you were able to meet Steve Mara? And is it the Pinelli Mara, or was it the Mara Pinelli yeah. or Pinelli Mara Restaurant Group? Yep, Steve Mara and, and and Bill Pinelli, they were partners. Um, you know, the, through taking those pictures, you know, starting an online magazine and then uh, you know promoting those nightclubs. Steve had owned a brand called View. It uh, for whatever reason, it was a beautiful venue. Right now, it's Skyline, um, yep. right near the mall. And, uh, you know, he, he, they just couldn't kind of get it all connected. And, and, you know, we built a good team, a good management team, a good server, you know, team of 20, 30 security, made it safe, got all the right elements of nightlife, great music. Uh, and we built that brand from, you know, 50, 75, 100 people to literally seven, 800 people a night. Celebrities right. coming in from across the country, you know, Chris Brown partying at his after party from concerts to, you know, it was the place to be for three, four years. And, and uh, it was business 101 i mean i learned a lot in college but it was just what the, the importance of, of promoting in nightclubs to where i am today is, is is you know building those relationships building those clients that wanted vip making them feel special um learning how to maintain those relationships learning how to build friendships and build a network which yep. you know allowed me to grow beyond promotions um to you know in today's world and it's funny as i look back and look at a lot of the guys that and girls that work with me as sub promoters and promoters in that industry. A lot of them are very successful, whether it be in real estate investing, um, you know, one owns anytime reality, uh, Jess Braza, who was one of my promotional partners. She's yep. killing it. State game, Mike F uh, Furia, who was also a promoter. He's flipping commercial properties and, you know, he's, he's, he's got properties throughout the whole state around. So it's, it's great to see that the things that we learned through nightclub promoting at 21 to 26 years old, you know, we, we now incorporate in life. I love that. So you're reading my mind as you're starting to tie it back into real estate. So I've only met one other person that's done this in terms of being able to bring in big names into venues after a concert or a day before a concert. And I think it's really similar to um, how folks wholesale real estate. So our, our listeners are familiar with wholesaling, but essentially, I don't know if you could dive deeper on like Chris Brown comes into town and his manager says, yeah, we'll, we'll bring him over to view nightclub for 10 grand. And then you have to make the spread above the 10 grand to get the people through the door. Is that how it works? Or maybe you could talk a little bit about that process. You know, Chris was a unique situation. Um, I, you know, fortunately you're right in the element of we had to pay certain celebrities a fee. Um, you know, Steve Aoki, we got back in the day at, you know, $5,500, which is, which is a deal because that now is insane. Yeah. A hundred thousand. And we had him three times and he had such a good time. And, and, Steve's kind of an anomaly. I mean, we went and we went to Foxwoods after and played poker and, you know, he, <laughs> I remember when he was starting his brand, which I learned from, and I'll never forget, which was called Dimmock, which was a clothing brand. He, was, he wanted to go to the local clothing stores while, before he played 
and visit and just kind of introduce them to his t-shirt brand and that hustle that he had even because I viewed him as a celebrity even then um, to see him wanting to still take the time to travel to local stores to spread his brand, you know, resonated with me. Um, back to your original uh, question, which was, um, you know, how do you, how does that work? Well, you know, of course, you know, if 700 people are coming in and we're charging $20, $30 to get in, we then make the profit on top of the celebrity and the security and the, and the DJ right. fee. So that's where our profit came in. And uh, I never, you know, even imagined the possibility of, you know, paying someone five, six, seven, you know, DJM, we paid $17,500 when it was live and then profit. Um, and I, I'm not sure Rhode Island, like we kind of hit Rhode Island by storm, which was a lot of fun. And, and it was just celebrity after celebrity after celebrity, which led to Chris Brown. We, you know, we built such a good reputation and of taking care of people. And then obviously managers spread the word to other managers. And when Chris Brown was in town, we didn't pay Chris Brown a dollar. He just heard from other managers in LA that we, we treated people so well that he had to come just because he didn't want it. It wasn't even about the money. He just wanted to have a good night and joined us. And we made sure he had a good night. And uh, him and T-Pain came back again a few weeks later. Wild. That's awesome. That is absolutely wild. Um, Opportunity is going to lead to the next one. uh, But I I think exactly what, what you're driving home there is like, once you build that reputation, people start to recognize that. And I think that's critical in, in, any industry that you're in, whether it's the nightclub business that you're talking about or in the real estate industry, like Frank and I have opportunities that are brought to us before it hits the market because we have that opportunity reputation of being able to take these things down or being able to do the right things in the, in that scenario. And I think that's a you know huge golden nugget of what you're talking about right there. Absolutely. And to your point, I mean, in building that, you know, reputation, people know that you're not going to let them down when they're vouching for you. Um, that's, you know, that's why you're getting those opportunities before others, right? Is, is you've, you've done a good job consistently to prove that your value is there and, and that you're not going to let someone down. So, uh, you know, that's, that's crucially important in my life too. Uh, you know, I, I continue to treat people right because that's the way I was raised. And I feel like it might not happen immediately, but it always goes back. We do a lot of, a lot of charity work, a lot of, uh, and it could, ultimately it's because it makes us feel good. You know, we, we, right. we, we feel homeless community and you know, we partner up with a lot of nonprofits and we've raised millions of dollars, but you know, in all the good that we do and as good as it makes us feel inside, I feel like it always comes back because it builds another bridge. It builds another network. It builds another outlet and it creatively, you know, you, you figure out a way to help more people. And ultimately as you get older, at least for me, when I, you know, and I got out of college, it was like, well, I, I grew up, like I said, I wasn't wealthy. I want to make a million dollars. I want to be rich. I want to be the richest guy out there. And as I got older, it was really more about making a difference and in making a difference. It's funny how many money opportunities, um, you know, open up just by, by doing the right thing and, and being the right person and, and, and building the right relationships. It's it, you know, when you stop thinking about, um, you know, that being the end goal of, of you know, being rich and, and actually making a difference, being the end goal and, and, and being a kind person it's crazy how much, you know, the opportunities increase. Absolutely, man. And that sounds like a good segue into how you got that investor launch vanity in a sense, right? Because you worked hard to do the right things and build the right reputation. And then you have that investor come out of the woodwork. Yeah. You know, you know, it's crazy too. And and, and going back to building those relationships, I met my initial investor as a caddy, 13 years old at my first job at Alpine Country Club. And, And something had to resonate over 10, 15 years of him watching hard work, him, watching me build a brand and promotions, you know, while he also ironically, um, you know, went to law school and flipped real estate and, and that's how yep. he made his money. Um, and he, and he did a great job and, and there's things that, you know, people had always said, uh, you know, I would invest in you. I'd put money up, but no one ever kind of put their money where their mouth was. And, you know, Jeff is a, 
you know, serial entrepreneurs, you know, and, and, but it's crucially important because he didn't invest in, you know, necessarily my idea for vanity, a sub club, he invested in me. Right. And, you know, that's, that's even when, when we look to invest in other people now or invest in, in projects, it's, it's usually we're investing in the person. If we believe that they're hardworking, they're dedicated, they're honorable, they're truthful, and they're willing to put in the work and they're willing to put in the time, then, you know, we'll entertain any conversation that, that could yield positive profits. That's a big golden nugget because uh, I know we've had a few deals that people, well, Jim, even, even you and I, I mean, you've brought me deals. It's like, Hey, listen, I respect your game. Let's go for it. I don't want to hear the numbers. I don't want to see it. Let's go. You know, if you're that, uh, if you're that committed now, Ed, how long were you, uh, did you caddy at Alpine? Uh, 13 to 16. And then when I was, you know, I was a bag, bag attendant, range, range attendant. Um, and then I moved on when I was in college and I caddied at uh, Carnegie Abbey because the caddy master from Alpine had gone there to, uh, to Carnegie, which just had just opened. It was a beautiful course in, in Portsmouth. And, you know, the loops went from $40, $50 to $150, $200. Um, and and this kind of paid my way through college uh, just with some spending money. I want to go back to the Stevie Oakey story, right? So you go down to play poker and before you play poker, he's going to the clothing stores to kind of introduce himself, introduce the brand. And I think that that level of hustle is just kind of hardwired into great entrepreneurs, right? Like, yeah, we're, we're out, we're trying to have a good time. But if there's an opportunity to continue with the hustle, even while we're headed out to do a good time, I think that that's a, that's a big piece of what makes us successful. Totally. And, uh, you know, something I can even, uh, to expand on that point, um, Steve Aoki was a genuinely kind human being. And, uh, you know, I've met a lot of celebrities and, and I never like to talk badly about anybody, but I can tell you some, uh, you know, others weren't. And um, there's a reason I think Steve, you know, continued to grow and to become as successful as he is, is because he made those relationships. I wanted to book him again. It didn't matter about the money, if I was profitable or not. He, he was such a good, genuine person to be around. And his music was great. And obviously he brought in a great crowd and it was profitable, which was great. But I would consider booking him again, even if I didn't make money with him, because he was such a good person. Whereas right. there were celebrities we worked with, it was like, you know, within 10 minutes of him, him or her being there, it was like, <laughs> what are we doing here? So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's so important of, you know, making those relationships, building those networks, you know, to see Steve go to those clothing stores. It was, you know, I knew the work that had to go into something um, to make it successful. And, and you can't, you got to continue to believe in yourself, continue to believe in your brand, continue to surround yourself with good people, people that have assets that you don't. Um, and those are kind of a lot of the keys to, you know, where my, how my story led to, you know, where it is. I know what I'm not good at. And I continue to try to surround myself with positive minded people that are also very good at things that I'm not. Huge, huge. So I think one of the other like really incredible things that you've been able to accomplish is building a brand with thirsty beavers, right? I can remember when you opened the first one, I went out there and someone told me like, Hey, look, and look they're they want to open up multiple other locations and you have successfully achieved that now. And the thirsty beaver is a very recognizable brand. I mean, I think about the hats that you guys have that just say thirsty kind of in the, the title is writing. You see those everywhere throughout the state. So are you able to speak to like how you came up with the idea for the brand and how you carried it out to be as successful as it is today? I, I really appreciate that. Uh, that means a lot uh, to hear that you feel like we're doing a great job. Um, you know, quality food and quality service obviously is, is the forefront of, you, you know, you guys staff. have the best fried chicken in the state. I do want to put it up there. I know there's a couple other spots, but I think the biggest thing is like across your brands, the, the consistency in the food, it's always there, but the fried chicken is on point every single time. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for the compliments. And, you know, I think it's just continuing to, uh, 
continue to learn. And, and um, you know, when we started the brand to build the brand, you know, it was literally just me and, and my partner on the golf course um, kind of just bouncing around an idea. And we're like, well, there's to be that's kind of a risky you know, risky name to go with, but then we you know, <laughs> made a cartoon beaver and we wanted to make sure it was family friendly so that all was welcome and made it a log cabin. And, uh, you know, we made a lot of the menu items named after local areas in the community and, uh, you know, opening the first one in Cranston, our hometown, I think had a lot to do with uh, our success. Uh, we certainly went into it a little afraid. We never opened a restaurant. It's okay to be afraid. Um, but like I said, I think it was important that, you know, we had a beverage director that, you know, we trusted that, knew everything in the ins and outs and had 10 plus years experience in, in, in the beverage department. We, you know, work with an executive chef that, you know, graduated from Johnson and Wales and knew everything about food purchasing and getting the numbers in line. Um, again, we made mistakes, you know, throughout the process of, of, you know, development, but, you know, as long as we can quickly learn from those mistakes and, and fix them correctly and treat people, you know, every dining experience isn't going to be, especially year one, isn't going to be hundred percent, but if you take care of people, you know, be honest with them, own the mistake. And I think that's what's allowed us to grow now 10 years later to multiple brands and, and continue to grow. And, um, you know, it's the people around us. We are only as good as your management team and, and, and your servers. I mean, all the way to, you know, someone in the back of the house washing dishes, I'll, I'll make an effort to, you know, when I'm in the restaurant, I'm not, you know, an owner that sits back and, and, and doesn't do anything. Um, you know, I'll, I'll literally build a relationship with the dishwasher and help him wash dishes and have a conversation with him about his life. Because I think it's crucially important to build relationships, even with um, your staff and from the, the high end to the low end, because it, they're working for you. They have to kind of like you to want to make it in my eyes. So, um, and, 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 and to that point, I think it's also important that I know a lot of these people, this isn't going to be their career. This isn't going to be their lifetime goal. So it makes me so good to see a buster that was with me at 17 years old go on at 23, 24 and be a police officer. And then, you know, spread the word to the entire police crew to come back to the beaver and, and eat there because we treated him right, because we helped right. him as we helped him grow. So I think that those are some of the elements that helped us grow that brand. And that, go that goes back to something that you said earlier, right? It's not about that immediate gratification. This is a marathon, long-term game, right? And it's okay. as simple as cleaning dishes with one of your dishwashers and showing that human factor. And years down the road, it's going to continue to pay off in that goodwill. It'll come back. Yeah. And I don't even think subconsciously, you know, I, I think of it that way, that way when I'm doing it, but when I look back on it and I see, you know, the impact, I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, and that's just learning through growth and maturity and, 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 and growing up, but it's ultimately just always doing the right thing, doing something that makes you feel good, you know, building those relationships, building those contacts, communicating, um, you know, being objective with yourself, not being, being, you know, being afraid to look at yourself objectively, learn, listen to people, um, you know, and, and it's important to make sure that your staff feels comfortable coming to you with points and feels comfortable giving input and making sure that you're listening because, you know, there's, there's motivational factors in any employee, right? Obviously money, um, their ability to grow, um, and their, their ability to feel, you know, wanted or they feel like they're, they're being, they're accomplishing something. So you have right. to make sure that you hit those points, um, in order to continue to grow and build a team. Question for you. Uh, the, I know the newest locations inside a different building, but the other restaurants you guys have, like especially the Cranston location, do you guys own the land on that or is it all rented space? So Cranston was a, uh, we, we do rent that space. It's a very good lease. Uh, we worked out a great deal um, with the family that we knew uh, awesome. from that, from that and from other projects where, you know, our leases came up and we couldn't come to a 
good place with the landlord. We learned the importance of, of owning real estate and uh, Smithfield was, was acquired and, and we do own that property and we can't oh, that's get awesome. Which is which is great, and uh, you know it's it's not easy when you don't have the capital when you're first starting out. It's 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 certainly not easy to entertain a conversation of owning real estate. I mean, I definitely want to stress the point of how important it is now that you have capital. But I also understand a lot of entrepreneurs go in and that's not an option for them. But as you right. grow, um, you know that should be very important to the acquisition of any business. So if you have the opportunity to get the real estate, obviously, and grow that asset and grow and grow your network, then you can leverage that on other projects and use those funds to, uh, you know, open up other opportunities down the line. Yeah, no, there's definitely no wrong answer to it. I've seen, I've seen people do both ways. I was just interested to see how you were, how you were handling it. That's cool. Yeah. And then, you know, which led to the Foxborough opportunity, which is, you know, a $15 million project with an indoor go-kart track, Ninja Warrior course, and that an investor put up. And, and, you know, that was our first interesting, um, uh, concept where we didn't have to pay a rent or a lease. Uh, we did actually a revenue, based lease with that uh, developer and you awesome. know, they're invested in our success and you know they want to help us as much as possible and you know the more we do the more we do in revenue the more they do so um, you know that's kind of a great model that that uh, we would love to, to, to use moving forward because I think that your landlord is now vested in the success of, of your business and uh, you know good or bad so I love it good stuff. now again I don't think I could get to a place if I didn't show a level of success to get to that revenue basically. So that's again, back to the, to the long game, right? I mean, it takes to, time. It yeah, takes time. To- I, so sorry. I, I listened to Eric or I used to listen to Eric Thomas all the time. Now I listen to him kind of infrequently, but Eric Thomas has a track on one of his albums where he talks about it takes 21 years to become 21 years old. Right. So it's going to take time to build that track record and that success. But as you build it and keep putting in the work, more good things are going to continue to happen. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So uh, let's see some of the questions we always ask some of our other uh, people. If someone wanted to become a better investor, uh, especially in the restaurant industry, what would you recommend they do? You know, if somebody came to you and said, I want to, maybe they've worked at a restaurant a little bit, front end or back end, but they really want to go out there and and start their own. what, What would you recommend they do? So, I mean, if they've already worked, the first thing I would recommend is make sure that you know all facets of the industry, put your time in, you know, work every, every element, back of the house, front of the house, you know, make sure you understand it. Um, also, you know, it's important to put together a performer, projections, you know, understand what the numbers may be um, Monday through Saturday, know your revenue, know your expenses, know, um, talk to people, um, understand that a lot of the expenses you're not even going to forecast prior to it. Um, you know, so talk to people that are already doing it. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Um, then obviously, in addition to that, you know, make sure you surround yourself with, with good people that, you know, something that's resonated maybe for an early, early, early age, a hundred percent of zero is zero, you know, 33%, 50%, 65%, whatever it may be of a larger number is far more than a hundred percent of zero. So, you know, we've always been, we like putting, giving equity to those that, that earn the right and, and that put the time in. And, you know, we have minority partners at a lot of our restaurants that have been with us for five, six years. And, and that's so crucially important because we want people that, that start off with us to know that the, the ability to own a restaurant, if they work hard and, and, and to gain equity um, is possible. And, and that's in, in, in such a competitive market and in such a competitive industry. I think that's something that separates us from others is, is we're not owners that are looking to just, build our brand and, and become super rich by ourselves. We want to take 
our team with us. And um, Love that. I think that's what allows us to continue to grow. I know in the uh, real estate industry, we have some small groups that, that uh, work together, not, not like as partnerships, but like more educational groups. Does, does you guys have anything that, like that in the restaurant industry? Is there like, uh, you guys have like any kind of meetings or any kind of associations? Yeah, the Rhode, so the Rhode Island Hospitality Association does a great nice. job. Uh, you know, they've been doing a, uh, a great job lobbying, especially through this, this uh, COVID uh, crisis to, you know, get our points across to the legislation and to politicians on the state level to make sure that, you know, some of the stuff that they're putting into effect makes sense for us restaurant owners. Um, in addition to that, uh, Rick Simone has done a great job of building, you know, a database amongst all of us restaurants so that we can talk on a Zoom call, talk about our concerns of our health concerns, how do we can all do it better. Uh, better job of keeping patrons safe and and you know again we're not looking for the short-term money we want to be able to be open throughout this however long this is going to last make sure we're keeping everybody as safe as possible um, so that coalition has, has done a great job and, and to your question and to your point in any industry I mean I think that's important to continue to network throughout your industry you know build a good rapport don't be you know just because they might necessarily be competitors as other restaurants it's okay to learn from them it's okay to talk to them and it's okay to build a relationship with them because you know if we're leaving the restaurant after a long shift I'm, I'm gonna go to Siena and which is right down the street and have a drink and talk to the owner and you know just kind of bounce up and forth and and learn from that. And, and, you know, I think that's important to even build your network within your industry um, and, and stay positive with people. And it's definitely helped uh, me grow by learning from those people. Do you guys have outdoor dining at uh, Cranston or Smithfield? Or we do. We, uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to expand our patio into the parking lot, parking lot which I think was a, a, a great, um, the ability to do so and expand our footprint of our, our restaurant um, and, and spread people out to keep them safe. Um, has definitely helped and um, you know obviously you're reliant on good weather but we've been very fortunate this summer it's like God's looking out for us uh, you know we haven't had much rain so it's 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 been overall pretty good uh, it's certainly worrisome looking into October November December you know tent plans are we going to have a tent shortage you know where's where are we going to be with COVID so we're definitely in an interesting place in the restaurant world and you know, just got to continue to communicate and learn and grow and, and, and adapt as quickly as possible to uh, make sure we, as many of us can survive through these, uh, these tough times. So uh, next question, uh, what is uh, one book that you've read lately or one book you consider a must read? Um, I read a, a four hour work week, which was pretty good by uh, yeah. Timothy Ferris. Yeah. Um, read zero to one. I try to read, um, you know, honestly, as, as much as possible, uh, I'm, I'm on a whole bunch of blog sites that uh, relate specifically to my industry. But, I mean, it's crucially important to continue to learn and grow and educate yourself and, and find the time to continue to invest in knowledge. Um, you can never learn too much. So uh, I certainly recommend Good. that to anybody. What, what books would you guys recommend if I wanted to learn about real estate right now? What's a, what's a good uh -huh. one? So I'll jump in there for you, Frank. So hey, um, there are a lot of books that people recommend all the time that I feel are super cliche, but one that I had never read when I started that I read recently was The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. And I pushed it off because I said, nah, everybody reads this. It's got to be super generic. Um, the components of that book would allow you to absolutely exceed any expectation or any goal that you have as a real estate investor if you actually take what's written and put it to work. I appreciate it. I just wrote that down. So I will did, be buying that. Did he write the one thing as well, Jimmy? He did write the one thing. Yeah, I, so I thought not, the one thing was similar to the pumpkin plan. Um, I think the pumpkin plan's 
a better book, but it's very similar. Yeah. So the one thing just talks about um, setting goals and having, you know, one major thing to work on every day and stuff like that. Uh, it's not as much real estate related, but it's the same author. So uh, I, I, I haven't, I don't know if I've read the, the one you were talking about, Jimmy, but I've definitely read the one thing. Uh, well, I appreciate uh, those recommendations. I'll make sure to pick those up. Solid. Great, great. So yeah, uh, that's one of the things we always try to push is that entrepreneurs are out there reading. You know, there's almost so much, so much knowledge. So absolutely, and a lot of it's pretty free. All right. So uh, last question here: uh, What do you want to be when you grow up? So five years down the road, where do you see Ed Brady, the entrepreneur? You know, I, I think that um, you learn, you grow, you have successes and failures. I mean, there's certainly some restaurants that we've opened that that haven't gone how we. Uh, you know, according to plan or, you know, we learned from those who quickly adapted. Um, the Thirsty Beaver brand is certainly a brand that um, we've built and I think has a lot of potential to grow five, seven, ten, um, ten brands. So I'm certainly going to focus on that specific brand um, and growth of that brand and, and building our team and, and being able to grow that brand by, by being able to expand line cooks and executive cooks and management team, um, you know, I and, and the formidable processes of training and, you know, making sure that we can scale up uh, to a higher level throughout not only Rhode Island, but throughout New England and then beyond. That would be a great goal of mine. But, but most importantly, where I see Ed Brady five years from now is, uh, you know, hopefully continuing to make a difference in the community, continuing to live a positive lifestyle, continuing to, to make lasting relationships, because ultimately I think regardless of the amount of money I make, that's truly how I want to live my life and end my life. And, when I'm on my, my deathbed, hopefully many, many, many years from now, uh, I will have built a lot of genuine friendships and, and, and you know, made a genuine difference in, in a lot of life. So um, hopefully that's that's the answer, but we'll see where life takes me. Love that. Love that. So if anybody want to reach out to you, what's the best way to maybe follow you on social media or reach out to you if somebody had any questions? Yeah, that, uh, please, please do. Uh, my email is at Thirsty Beaver RI. Would love to talk to anyone uh, that had any questions. Um, I have Instagram. I have Facebook. I'm on Edward Brady on Facebook, uh, Ed Brady RI on Instagram. Um, if, even if anyone had any questions in the political realm as a council person, um, would love to talk to you. So please don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, in between podcasts, if you have any questions for us, you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is the Cashflow Kings, or feel free to check out our website at thecashflowkings.com. Cheers to your success. The Cashflow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Thanks for having me, boys.